By the way, let me just point out how pathetic what? that is. That, that this could be our theme: is uh, pretending to be arbiters in a world that uh, doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yes. This is this is what we pretending do. We're, we're built for this world. Yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> hey, if this world existed, we might actually be able to provide some value. Oh, we don't God. now, but but in this world, we might be able to. I'm gonna have a real satisfying cry about that later. Okay. Good. <laughs> You've just found yourself behind the broken window, lurking in a corner of the writing room at Broken Window Media, where a conversation is already in progress. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome back behind the broken window, everybody. It is Monday, the 7th of September, the year of our Lord, 2020. Um, my world's on fire. How about yours? Okay, now you're an all-star. Uh, I'm Nancy. That guy's Derek. Hey, how you doing? Uh, not bad. Just a little little tea to warm myself up on uh, what really felt like a, a a transitional day towards fall today i don't know if you were outside at all but the weather yeah just had that feel it was, it was weird good. made it me went happy from like 90 to 50 in yeah. 24 hours i loved it yeah i rock yeah for sure um my skin is gross when it's hot so all right yeah, <laughs> give me 40 degrees in a sweater all year i'll take it okay uh hey i'm sure you got a brand new idea for me i'd love to hear about it I do. So uh, you and I have talked several times about how uh, our skill sets, our uh, perspectives would do much better in a world without the existence of the state. Oh my God. If, if we lived in a system run by private common law, I'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> yeah. I would be so useful to humanity. <laughs> Uh, so I, I have felt much the same way and I have tended to focus that thought on, um, the fact that I am by nature, a generalist, mm -hmm. uh, a generalist among generalists and my talents would be useful in doing many of the things that politicians supposedly do, uh, Ooh. in terms of risk mitigation and those kind of things. However, I had a realization that that wasn't quite accurate. The oh, truth no. is, the thing that I'm probably best cut out to do would be a private arbiter. That's what I've always felt about myself, actually. Well, I don't know you about your judgment, but... Okay. I'm very wise, but beyond uh, my years. <laughs> I am uh, I'm not wise, but I know how to listen to uh, a variety of experts and sort of weigh Fake it. the income the input <laughs> from all those sources. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Uh, no, weigh, weigh the input from those variety of sources and try and come up with uh, things that take into account uh, all of those uh, disparate interests. Okay. I see what you mean. You had thought before that your role was something like a statesman where you're supposed to have uh, a general knowledge of all kinds of facets of life so that you're able to make wise, responsible decisions about governance. Yeah, the, but, the kind of thing where, okay, when you face this COVID situation, uh, you know, consulting with companies about, okay, just how far do you want to go in restricting mm -hmm. how you do business, right? What, what kind of concessions do you want to make based on the threat? All of that kind of thing. Right. So uh, actually in the pandemic, it's a good example because everybody suddenly got obsessed with only mitigating against the risk of this disease. Yes. And forgot about literally everything else. <laughs> you know, like there are infinitely many other things for us to be concerned about. So, you know, perspective. Yeah. Uh, uh, so being a generalist helps you to keep all of those other things in perspective. It does. For yes. sure. However, How you now think that your skill set is not best um, for being the anarchy equivalent of a statesman, but rather being a, a private arbiter. I think so. Yes. Uh, and in light of that, I'm going to begin uh, a series of articles. They'll pop up from time to time when I want to <laughs> do this. Kind of thing. Give me a standalone, yes. you jerk. Yes. 
No. Uh, well, I don't have other, uh, other articles in the series planned yet, but as time goes along and something pops up, I'm sure others within this series will emerge. Okay. Uh, but it is titled The Anarchist Arbiter. Mm. And what I'm going to do is take a particular subject area and offer you just a, a variety of different potential ways a, pro- a private arbiter might go with things. So I'm not going to get too specific because the specifics of where an arbiter would go would depend on the specifics of the case. Right. So I just want to take a topic area broadly and say, "Hmm, here's the different ways an arbiter might think about it. Okay. And I I... want to start this off with intellectual property. Oh, that's the wrong one to do. What are you talking about? Oh, no, no, it's fun. (laughs) Okay. Well, I want to, before you get into that, I want to say that, I have um, uh, often, countless times, been in a completely counterproductive conversation with people about how state bad, market good. And people will go, blah, blah, who will blah, blah, you know, how will we, what if, what if such and such happens, then what? And I beg them, I say, please put yourself in the role of arbiter. If these two parties come to you, what would you decide? What do you think is just? And I try to get them to imagine that well, lots of other arbiters would be out there that these two people could go to. And out of the competition between you and those other arbiters, we would discover what the community as a whole on average thinks is just yada, yada. I try to do this and they always want nothing to do with it. Yes. So I, on the one hand, I think this is a waste of time. But on the other hand, I think, well, maybe the problem is just a lack of imagination. So if you show them, you, imagining yourself in the role of arbiter, coming to conclusions. And explaining why. Need. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a variety of different directions uh, one might go. And I can explain why go those different directions. And why, in fact, the, uh, the present dynamic in terms of many of these things, including intellectual property, is... Uh, absolutely nothing a private arbiter would ever consider. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's get into the specifics then about IP for sure. Well, I'm not going to, I don't know that I want to hit you with everything. I want to leave something for the article. I think to surprise you. Oh, okay. But that scares me. uh, Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see how much I leave. I guess it depends on, on how many uh, uh, possible, uh, outcomes I want to give and just how detailed I want to go. But the present dynamic is based on time. That is the government dynamic in terms of intellectual property. It expires based on time. You have monopoly sales privileges for the next 20 years or 50 years or the death of the author plus 50 years or unless the government extends it. Thanks Disney. Yeah. yeah, which is uh, entirely absurd and makes no sense and is never where a private arbiter would come down because time is kind of irrelevant uh, because we have no idea the ways in which the world will shift and change over the course of time. Well, it's certainly irrelevant from uh, like a libertarian standpoint if you insist on absolute property rights like absolute property rights don't expire. It's not like 20 years from now, oh, my house doesn't belong to me anymore. It doesn't work that way. But yes. you're going to do a different perspective, I imagine. Yes. Um, well, and, and let's hit on the libertarian one. A private arbiter would also not likely rule uh, the sort of complete absence of intellectual property. Oh, snap. You're doing what I've been doing. And the reason is, is clearly, um, clearly society seems to value this to some extent, right? The libertarian we, in me rages against that, but... We, we all sort of agree that there's some sort of value to this. And uh, that is born out of many things. I think we uh, appreciate investment and we, we have an innate desire to sort of protect the the um 
the effects of that investment, right? If someone invests a lot of time in something, there's a desire to protect that they're able to earn some amount off that yeah. investment. And I mean, Baldwin and Levine, I believe it was, had the piece about um, first mover advantage. Mm-hmm. So lots of economists have tried to explain that intellectual property laws are actually counterproductive to um, the, you know, the desire for innovation. Um, yes. But people are not going to believe that no matter what. <laughs> They're going to insist. At which point um, does it negate their argument? Interesting. Right? Like if their argument is true, but if people don't believe it's true, like the incentive is only there as long as people believe that it's true. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Oh, snap. I thought you were going to go with like the social construction of reality for no. a second there, but no, you're right. If people do not believe that they will be able to make profit off of the off thing, a first mover advantage, they're not going then to they invest. Won't do the investment. Right. So, and no amount of, uh, you know, uh, logical economic arguing is going to gonna, change their mind on that. In fact, That's, it might tend to entrench them in their yes. wrong opinion. Yes. And therefore now swing back around to hindering innovation. Right. Yeah, because cool. innovation is inherently risky, and if you have some sort of system which protects the profits of that innovation, you're going to incentivize more people to take on that risk because you've now lowered the the level of risk involved in it. Oh my God! It's like you're saying that the statists are sort of right, but for the wrong reasons. Yes. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah. nobody wants to read that article except me. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> so it, it comes down to then what would a private arbiter rule? Okay. And there are several ways to go on this. Uh, the first one I see this this applies more to technical uh, innovations, things like you know new pharmaceutical drugs or technology or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It probably applies more there than the entertainment wor- world, except for maybe movies, but we'll see. Is a private arbiter might come down and say, well, you know what? You're protected up to uh, profits that equal four times the cost to produce this thing. Right. So, or whatever, three times, 10 times, whatever. Right. Gotcha. There would be some reasonable social standard of how much profit you're allowed to derive off of this before you're not allowed to have a monopoly anymore. Right. Right. And this would, this would be verified by some sort of third party accounting and all of that. Yeah. It would have to be. Right. But that's strange that you're going to, uh, uh, long discounted theory of price though it's it's like this um cost of production theory of value <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but this but this might yeah. be something an arbiter would rule because people can understand that right and i'm i'm more willing to invest my time again going to the fact that investment is a risky process and people are less likely to do it the mm-hmm. more risk they perceive in it the actual risk doesn't matter it's what how much risk do people perceive but if they know well no matter how much i invest i'm going to earn at least profits four times this investment or i'm going to be protected up to that point right. then it's worth my time i was going to say you know? cuz you, you might you might get a patent and find that nobody wants it Right. And that's, and that's, and that's possible, but I would be, but that's, that's in some ways people might find that a little more tolerable than uh, producing something and then finding someone else quickly innovates off theirs in a way that makes theirs obsolete. And now they've earned nothing. Yeah. Right. So Uh, that I'm okay. So I'm with you that I can see where maybe there might be some way where a private arbitration company and even a private arbitration system can Mm -hmm. ultimately come down on this idea of some kind of limited monopoly privileges for innovators. Um, And the limitation being about how much profit you can make, but I need, I got two questions for you. Am I cutting you off? Forgive me. No, you're good. I have two important questions. Uh, So the first I just brought up, which is, well, what if I never make a 400% profit what if nobody wants to buy my product or, you know, not enough people like, do I just have monopoly privileges till the end of time? 
I mean, I can see how logically, well, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Till the end of time, you have it. But I feel like humanity won't agree to that. Like, yeah, the, I mean, the okay. results of the competitive, competitive yeah, so you could say there's some sort of, as well. yeah, there's, there's some sort of profits within X amount of time, potentially. That's what I was thinking is the solution yeah. to this is that probably what you get is 400% or four years, like whichever comes first. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. Um, that is a possibility. I'm hold on. I'm looking to see in my notes here if there was something else that I needed to hit with on that. Okay. Here, here's the here's the two other things I was going to mention. Okay. Um, and this is this actually. I'm going to go back one second because I wrote these down. I forgot to bring these these to the table here. Uh, why? why a private arbiter would rule sort of this way on IP. Uh, one thing is we understand uh, innately, if not philosophically, that there's a benefit to discovering something, right? Right. So we want a society that encourages discovery. Innovation, good. And then second of all, and this is specifically to the libertarians, no such thing as intellectual property. Uh-huh. Uh, physical property is not created, it's it's discovered but libertarians defend ownership based on this like discovery of physical property well ip is also discovered it's not created it's like it's the same process gotcha you didn't put the physical property there you found it and made use of it well same thing like the ip they didn't create any of the things. They just found a way to use it. Okay. After so it's a fashion, weird, it's weird that libertarians would yeah. defend the one so in you know so yeah. deeply and yet completely deny the existence of the other. Well, um, I highly recommend that you leave the libertarian bashing to me because that's my bread and butter. <laughs> okay. That's what I do. Well, I just I want to explain why an arbiter is not going to come down on either end of that spectrum, right? Not yeah. going to come down where the state does. Also, not going to come down where the ANCAPs think they will either. Yeah, not going to come down I've either end. Trying to do in my previous articles, talking about how um, the private common law system—it's not going to decide as the state has decided that right. we can just abrogate property rights however we see fit whenever we see fit right but it's also not going to say that we can never do it you know mm-hmm. like there is going to be some amount of abrogation uh which is going to be determined you know through this communal negotiation process that is the private common law system but right anyway somewhere in the middle right so um, that's my article but i guess you can have it whatever <laughs> Well, I'm plugging it in, I guess, to this larger thing. I want to I yeah. explain how a private arbiter would think about these things, right? I'm okay. putting myself like in those shoes and saying, here's how I, as anarchist arbiter, would think about these things. Okay. Well, I have... Because I have a profit motive. Yes, exactly. And that's the argument I made, is right. that the profit motive of private arbiters leads them to... Right. If um, I want to continue to get business, I need to find something that that yeah satisfies all parties in this. Yeah, and it turns out that most people are not libertarians. Yes, uh, I, I'm going to do your joke here. Shocker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, so uh, yeah, so the that outcome is not going to happen. Also, the state outcome doesn't make sense either because yeah. that ignores profit motive entirely. Um, so. Okay, so the one I offered, yeah, perhaps we'd put some sort of time limit on it uh, of some sort, but yes, there would be uh, some level of profit amount protection. Okay, that's Not reasonable. Years, I think that's right. Like a profit amount. Yeah, that seems to be the kind of thing. I've heard those arguments from leftists too. Right. Like right. how much profit is enough profit? Like you've already made it a hundred times over. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, so, so here a pharmaceutical company can't just, you know, it's not protected for 20 years and they can make as much as they can in that 20 years. It's, right. No, they get, you know, up to four times what it costs to make it. There would also presumably be restrictions on how high you can set the price and 
how radically you can change the price in a short span of time. Yeah, like although that. to some extent, I think the wants. market, yeah, to some extent, I think, you know, market forces handle that a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. set the price too high, they'll set it at a sort of profit maximizing price. Yeah, well, yeah, but the profit maximizing price might be the, a whole lot of folks end up dying in the process price. So, but I, and you say that, and I get that, but mathematically would that actually work out that way because they would burn through their 4x cost faster imagine with me a scenario in which that is in fact true well but what i'm saying is then it would get to then it would get to the broader market faster and so over the course of uh maybe over the course of two years more people die but over the course of 10 years far fewer people die we're getting off topic. I'm going to let this go because that's a different okay. debate and it's a different article. Well, and I'm, I'm really, okay. I'm, I'm trying to give people general windows, not yes. again, the specifics would depend on the actual case. Okay. Just broadly, here's why an arbiter would lean towards something like a uh, cost related yes. limitation. So the thing about price restrictions and price mm-hmm. rise restrictions, that's, unnecessary it's a cherry on top it, it, we don't need that right yeah now. let's let's call that okay. things that would differ based on the specifics of the case yeah leave that for another article maybe but i do think that you need to address uh, in order for this to make any sense at all determining what constitutes a um monopolizable innovation oh yeah yeah because yeah. right now we have the patent office Etc. Uh, that decides. This is this is where I think a private arbiter would rely on uh, specialists within fields. In fact, I imagine specialists within fields would end up becoming private arbiters uh, for these kinds de- of cases. Depending, yeah, I don't know because does a specialist in this field weigh in? I mean, we could say that, but then what's to say, yeah, well, and specialists within those fields would become, you know, uh, risk experts uh, related to pandemics. Okay, but then they're not considering all of the other economic costs. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, while I think I get what you're saying, and we have this tendency uh, in economics to sometimes think, well, it'll, it'll just specialize uh, ad infinitum. It'll just go on and on and on to ever greater levels of specialty. Yep. And it's like, no, but I there's only a, do surgery on the left big toe. Yeah. There's wow. a, there's a window at which the specialization uh, there's diminishing uh, marginal returns. To that, I agree. Right. Uh, and at, at, cer- at a certain point it actually becomes beneficial to not specialize that closely so for the sake of this article things haven't gotten that specialized i think i would describe the arbiter as being someone who would look to the experts within those fields and take uh take well i suppose let's put it this way you could have different companies that uh, manage these uh, patent equivalents right Mm -hmm. And so as a court, you could work with several of those different companies. That would be mm-hmm. one primary way or talk to, you know, specialists that are also researchers in a particular field or something like that. Yeah, I think um, we're getting too far afield again. But the, the principle we agree on is that the, the private competitive common law system would find the way to adjudicate these disputes optimally uh so about what is and isn't what is and is not a monopolizable innovation i'm calling it yeah yeah Yeah. or patentable invention uh it would do a good job of deciding that let's call it protectable at this point okay the libertarian in me rages against that i know don't don't pretend this is okay (laughs) that's exactly evil behavior and i stand against it sir okay um yeah so i i yeah i think i'll just offer up a couple of possibilities but okay as so to, as to how that might work you want to show that uh the economic logic for a private arbiter is to allow for some kind of 
intellectual property rights. Yes. Uh, and you want to do that. I'm going to bring it up right now because I tried to do this before and you were like, God, this is stereo instructions. Why did you do this to me? Tell me a story. Right. So I just wanted to make it clear right up front. Tell me a story. Yes. Give me characters. Yeah. Yeah. Give me personal motivations. Well, so, so the issue here is um, I don't want to get too detailed, right? Because if I get into the details, now we lose sort of the general thinking. Right, because I've only given you one of the possible ways an arbiter might rule. I have at least one more, and I might have a couple others by the time I, I really do the article. Ah, the point of the article is to show the variety of possible ways in which an arbiter could rule on yes. this. Yes, yes. For instance, the thing we just discussed doesn't work that well for the arts. Why not? How do you quantify the cost to write a song? Oh, you got me. Mm. You can quantify the cost of a movie, which is why you brought that up before. Yes, yes. We do that all the time, yes. literally for every movie ever. But to write a song, to write a book. What's the cost of that? Yeah. Really? That is a fair point. That I, I assume it's invalid for reasons I can't think of now. I'm sorry, I'm a moron. Okay. So I had an alternative that I was thinking that could be, it, this could work for the uh, innovations, the, the te technological innovations as well. Mm -hmm. But it would work uh, for sure for the arts, which is, and again, uh, you know, perhaps there's some sort of tap, uh, cap on a uh, time limit. Maybe it's your lifespan. Maybe it's one generation beyond. Maybe it's 10 years. I don't know. Uh, again, all things an arbiter might uh, take into consideration, but you keep the rights so long as 50% of the profits you keep. And uh, again, these percentages could be changed, but for, yeah. uh, for an example, you keep 50% of the profits. The other 50% goes into this uh, income fund. Oh, snap. We've One talked about, which, yeah, we've talked about the idea that a, a free market system would actually probably end up producing a income. I think it this inevitably of, would yeah. end up producing a income. Yeah. Why not as, via intellectual property? That is not bad at all. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I Maybe I like that just because I want a income. Just because I'm a, I'm a lazy, pretentious philosopher. There we go. And I just want to sit on my butt and bloviate for the rest yeah. of my life. So yeah. I can't so get paid for you that. You desire for one. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, perhaps so. Um, no, I, I think it does make sense, right? Except here's, here's why this works so well, I think. Because the argument that we need a mincom is because of technological innovation outpacing people's capacity to learn new jobs and keep up with it right well that's one argument sure that's not my argument no but that is one argument we hear yeah. and what is the perfect response to that argument is great okay we'll tie the profits of intellectual property from gotcha. those same technologies to like a that. income those, so the income yeah. itself is produced by the technologies oh. that supposedly create the need for the income. That's phenomenal because the new technology, it displaces workers and it makes uh, your old knowledge obsolete. Yes. Both reasons why you would need some sort of uh, financial fallback. Right. Uh, that's amazing. That's the... The liberal that's in me why hears I think, that and says, yes, okay. that is correct. I think that is where a private arbiter would probably be most likely to come down on this. It's not like my that. previous suggestion, but rather this one. Okay. Well, we might end up having six or seven articles about the income, the, frankly. Yes, uh, probably. I have so, so much to but, say about it, yeah. Um, but add it's going to come up to, in my next piece, actually, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, really? Okay. Add yeah. this to the list of possible ways a income could be funded. Yeah. Oh yeah, we talked before about right. we could have, um, uh, we could write a book, which uh, was yeah. like here are the On twelve those. ways in which the free market could could, could. and possibly would yeah support uh, produce some income yeah yeah, uh, and yeah, add this to the list. thinking and putting myself in the private arbiter seat, I actually see that as being probably the most likely place most things would would fall. 
I like this. I hadn't thought about IP in this context before. Yeah. Uh, that's phenomenal. Uh, you're amazing and handsome. All right. Uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't deny either. Uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm gonna hate it. I know I am. Yeah, but... well, that's usually how it goes. All right. You know what? Take us. Take a crack at it, though. All right. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Don't forget, you can browse our entire catalog of podcasts and articles at brokenwindowmedia.com. And at brokenwindowmedia.com, you can become a part of the conversation. But if you'd rather anonymously type ironically racist slurs at us in all caps, well, you can tweet at us at brokenwindowm. You know, I'm actually looking forward to it. Hello, it is Monday, September 21st. We are back again. Uh, I have written an article on uh, private third-party arbitration and the issue of intellectual uh, property, uh, which, as I say it out loud, uh, sounds uh, interesting to a tiny handful of people, <laughs> and I'm sure that it is. Yeah. However, I had fun with it. So That's I'll... the point I'm going to make, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess uh, better late than never to become self-aware. Uh, I'm hey, all right with it. Did you write this specifically for me for my birthday? I think so. Yeah, you, I, you and obviously me, because I enjoyed it. I, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I had um, a fun time. This was just dry and scholarly in the best ways. <laughs> it 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 tickled me in just the right spot. So um, I don't even want you to change it. I don't even care. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just leave it as is. Well, the thing is that you're writing an article which cannot be for a general audience. No, it can't be. Obviously. Yeah, like I mean, this is this is almost written more to someone who already thinks like we do, but exactly needs a better answer. And so yeah. this is yeah, this is not going to be to your yeah. average average person by any means. This article clearly can only be read by somebody who is already a free market anarchist yeah or at least somebody who's an anarchist who's annoyed by the free market anarchists <laughs> or you maybe know, someone but, who is familiar with the arguments i guess for yeah free market anarchy. It, yeah like, like, they might yeah, not maybe, be one but they they've heard yeah, the argument you could be anarchy times. adjacent for yeah, sure yeah. you could be yeah. a, a nick gillespie or something maybe and yes, be into sure. this but someone. maybe not him actually he's too busy being yeah. cool with his leather jacket. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. At any rate, um, uh, you know, your aunt Joe and your uncle Steve are not going to read this thing. They don't care. No, so, I don't need them to. That's a, this is. Yeah. If I were making the argument to them, I would probably just pick whatever one of these things I knew would appeal to them most mm -hmm. and sort of highlight that. Yeah, yeah, and that's because what you do in here is you you talk about like four or five, I want to say, different ways that a private arbiter might approach an issue of intellectual property claims. Yeah, broadly speaking, you yeah. know, understanding that the specifics of each case will merit different uh, um, judgments, I guess. Yeah, but broadly speaking, here's generally the way the the issue of intellectual property could be approached yeah. by a third-party arbiter right so if you had uh somebody a normal human being uh, who isn't a crazy <laughs> anarchist who was just like really concerned about the rapid growth of technology and being left behind by it right you know you have one bit in there talking about the importance uh, and the the possible uh, emergence of uh, universal basic income Yes. Being tied to the granting of intellectual property. Yes. I went I went just shy of turning it into a, another like long, dry, boring subsection of economic yeah. argument, uh, uh -huh. free market uh, economics, actually. Yeah. And I just I, I kept it to like a sentence or two. And I was like, oh, you could write you could write a book on that you, yeah. little idea alone. Every got every subsection uh, in here. You could write a book on it. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> Forget your wife and kids. You got things okay. to do. All so right? let's hold on for a minute. Let's let's uh, indulge ourselves for a second. Uh, did you did you catch that part of this? That 
really actually um, thinking about economics like we do now, uh, which is not taking in the component of sort of human psychology of all of this, that at a certain point, uh, you would have to develop some sort of minimum income or the exponential rate of innovation would have to slow down. Yeah, no, that like was it a could, phenomenal It could no longer point. be exponential. Yeah, like legitimately, human brains are only capable of learning so fast. Right. So if your job gets eliminated due to some sort of innovation, yeah, technically you could retrain and go do something else. And there will always but, be something else for you to retrain to do. Right. But how long is it going to take for you to do that? Right. Uh, and so, by the time you train for it, it's already gone. It's already gone. Exactly. Because of a, the exponential rate of yeah. growth of technology. It, it seems to me inevitable that the pace of innovation would out, outpace our ability to learn. Eventually, it must necessarily do that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what was interesting was that you said that it would actually limit the pace of innovation. It would retard innovation right. to not have a UBI at that point. Yes. Uh, like you need to have everybody. You need market signals. Exactly. It's not that you need um, this um, uh, Keynesian idea of like consumption and yeah, no, no, under no, consumption. No. When what? No, no, it's, it's not, not that. It's, not it's that. just that you need market signals. You need right. That. And right. people can't give you market signals if they don't have any money to consume your products. Right. With. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What do people actually want? So uh, I just I thought that was fascinating. Anyways, actually. I I hadn't seen that put together somewhere, and yeah. I started writing that, and I was like, I could I could turn this into its own massive thing. I'm not going to. I'm just yeah. going to leave it here like this. But there's a lot of meat on that bone, I think. Yeah. Well, we were talking about writing a book specifically about UBI and how right. the free market in the absence of the state could end up producing this. Yes. And this seems to be the fundamental argument on why it would end up producing it. Yeah. Yeah. We, this is, I, yeah. I feel like this is the capstone for that book. That's the last chapter is like, right. and even if none of that happens, it's still going to happen. Right. It has to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I think we've got like six arguments at this point now. I think of how so, the yeah. free market of produces UBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that. That's almost enough for a book. Let's get on that. But. Probably. Okay. Enough nerdery. Okay. Uh, let's get serious here. Um, so n not only was this deeply satisfying for me um, as a as a policy wonk and as an anarchist and somebody who reads dry academic nonsense. Yes, sure. <laughs> Um, if, and content wise, it was actually written well. Well, good. Um, like, uh, like, have you written dry, academic, boring things before? <laughs> I don't think you have. I, you I you came you, out no. swinging. So I will give you a, a, so in my free writing every morning, I do a little bit of free writing, which is not geared towards a specific project. Uh, it's me sort of writing to understand uh, things better. It's writing as like a means of uh, working through a logical process and all of that. Mm -hmm. And that writing probably comes closest to this. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. You don't have a yeah. particular audience in mind. So you're just like train of thought. This is my argument. Yeah. Let me flesh this out then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. All right, good. Well, that's the secret then. Okay. <laughs> Write to yourself for yourself. Yes. And then you and I will be the only audience for it. So good. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, let's be honest, we're the only audience for everything we write. That's but... true. <laughs> That's fine. We have a good time with it. Uh, okay. I really do not have very much to say about this piece. It was really surprisingly good. All so, right. A high five. A winner. Across the universe. There we go. Um, but there are four points in here. Yes, there are four okay. points in here where I have nitpicks. Okay. Let's pick some nits. Let's do it. Okay. Very first sentence. It's not every sentence. It's only four things, I promise. Yes. Okay. Those of us who would prefer to see the state dissolved often are asked how various concerns would be addressed in our stateless society. And I think to myself, like what? <laughs> Give me some oh, examples. Okay. Um, and then, because the next sentence is, the fallback answer is private arbitration. It should be no surprise to us that this answer is wildly unsatisfying for many people. And then I think to myself, this is complaint number two, by the way. Well, like how? <laughs> like, how do they respond to that? 
fallback answer of private arbitration. What are okay. their concerns? I, so, I, I thought that those were self-evident and then I realized, oh no, I'm writing to you and me. And yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, it's not yeah, self-evident it's, to us, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is self-evident to literally just you and me, but right. there might be one lonely, weird guy reading our stuff. Uh, so we just make specifics, but so we are, uh, clearly you're writing to an ANCAP audience, uh, free market anarchist audience, but they're, even those people, they may not be as familiar with it. And there will also be other anarchists and anarchy adjacent people sure. who will be reading it. So for their sake, paint a bit of more of a picture for me. Right. Okay. Which interestingly enough is why it's so unsatisfying too. Yeah. <laughs> So meta. There, there we go. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. Um. Okay. At any rate. Okay. So then, um, you then. So that's uh, that's like an introductory section, where you're like, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna deal with things in the free market." in a way that average people can understand better. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than just make third party arbitration, some sort of deus ex machina deus type. Deus ex third party arbitration. Yeah. 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 Uh, rather than doing that, uh, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and address it a little more head on. And while, you know, understanding there's nuance to individual cases, here's general yeah. principles. Exactly. Uh, yeah. One sentence you have in this section is perhaps we should present how an arbiter might think about these situations. Yes. So this is the point you're going to make in throughout this paper and throughout um, this essay and other essays yes. in this series, if indeed this becomes a series. Yes. Hopefully it does. Is let's think about how the arbiter actually thinks in this situation. Yes. Um, and that's great. That's what people need. So now in this piece, you're specifically going to talk about intellectual property so you have a little introduction to the problem of IP and it in the free market, in the stateless society. Yes. And first sentence, again. The average person's relationship with intellectual property is a curious one. It's an issue that has a dramatic, though not always obvious, effect on everyone's daily life. And I thought, like what? <laughs> Give me some examples. <laughs> Because the next, the next sentence is, still, almost no one gives all that much thought to the issue. And when I'm like, still? What do you mean still? Well, I guess I, my thought was, if you've read this far into an article <laughs> on intellectual property, yeah. like you, you already know that. Because, again, average, average people, they're not going this far in on anything related to IP. Fair point. If you're reading this article, you've already read Rothbard. Yes. Yeah. I'd bet my left leg on it. Yep. And yet still, give me some examples. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can do that. All right. And then this is the last thing, actually, I think. Again, this was really surprisingly good. Okay, Let's keep so, emphasizing how surprising that is. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> keep it up. Well, <laughs> okay. The one person who listened to this podcast knows how surprising <laughs> it is. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have a section in here in which, oh, I'm being a jerk right now. Okay, uh, so okay. the sections I have are uh, more nuanced than the state and the economists. Mm -hmm. And in that section, I make the point that both how the state does it now and the way uh, many uh, free market-based economists think about IP uh, would not be how an arbiter would rule. And yeah. I explain why. And that's actually the section where I have one tiny nitpick. Okay. Uh, so you explain that the way the state does it, obviously stupid. Yes. This arbitrary, everybody who files for it, if you get it, you get the same period of two decades or whatever it is. And, you know, that's it. One size fits all doesn't, yeah. doesn't make any sense here. But also the economists who say, actually... Um, IP is completely unnecessary because of first mover advantage or whatever it is. Right. Um, Arbiter's not going to take that argument and run with it. That's not going right. <laughs> to. It's not going to fly. No. Right. Uh, they're going to go for whatever seems reasonable to average consumers 
it, you yes. know, it's going to be well, whatever I, more specifically, both sides of any potential debate feel is fair. More specifically, what seems most fair to their potential client base. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Which is the point I was making in my last article, right. actually. So. Right. Um, this could be a theme with us. It could turn it out. It could be. Yeah. Okay. So within this, though, you By have... the way, let me just point out how pathetic what? that is. That, that what? This could be our theme, is uh, pretending to be arbiters in a world that uh, doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. this is this is what we Pretending do we're, we're built for this society. world yeah, yeah that's... hey if this world existed we might actually be able to provide some value oh, we don't God. now but but in this world we might be able to i'm gonna have a real satisfying cry about that later okay good uh okay let me read this out this is the last thing uh, a purely time-based system of ip protection is woefully inadequate to address such a complex issue and it largely leaves everyone aside from a few, oh, largely leaves everyone, that should be a comma, aside from a few well-connected yes, companies, comma, satisfied. This approach to IP is responsible for widely criticized institutions such as Big Pharma, who make huge profits as a result of higher prices allowed by IP protection. Uh, okay, good. So now I need you to say something there before you then say, so while there may be a time-related component to what a private arbiter rules, the decision is very unlikely to be based solely on time. So those two sections do not connect to each other. Because between uh, them, I need you to explain to me how what you just said relates to um, time-based IP. And talk about... How the big pharma does? Yeah, so... The, t the idea of limiting intellectual property to some certain number of decades doesn't really work for pharmaceuticals. And I need you to explain to me why it doesn't really work for pharmaceuticals and what people would prefer before you then go on to say, so while there may be a time-related component to what a private arbiter rules, the decision is very unlikely to be based solely on time. Okay. Yeah, I'm I just guess missing a little bit of connective tissue there. No, I know. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I'm assuming because you know what I mean, obviously by that. I do, yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering again, this deep into an article on IP, mm -hmm. it, am I really reaching someone who doesn't get that yep. connection at this point? You know, yes. and and that feels like. Can I, 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 I don't know that that can be explained in one sentence and I don't know that I want to put in three paragraphs. It wouldn't take that long. No, I mean, just not, not, not that long. Two sentences, but I feel like it, it should take... be quick here. I'm just saying you haven't made the argument. So when you well, begin I, the next so sentence by saying, I guess so, here's the point, right? I'm like, wait, what do you mean? So you didn't... I, I, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking about who I'm talking to and I'm not, I'm not trying to persuade someone of that point. I'm actually trying to persuade someone that um, the, the big pharma thing, I'm trying to hint at the fact that consumers uh, once again, have this curious relationship with IP, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't like the big pharma thing, but they also kind of think, yeah, we probably get more medicine yeah. Based on the fact that we have some IP. Yeah. People clearly think that there should be some sort of IP for pharmaceuticals, but it shouldn't right. look the way that it does now. Right. Yeah. And Tell that's that. all I'm trying to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. So if I'm, if that's the point I'm trying to make and it's okay to plug in that, I'm not trying to teach an economics lesson. I'm trying to explain their people's discomfort. Yeah. With. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the, Outcome people shouldn't of a purely time-based system. Uh, it's 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 something simple. I think like people shouldn't be dying for being unable to afford a drug that's now fifteen years old, right? You know, something. You know, right. like why are we right. still doing that? You right. know, like let's move on. Right. Clearly, it's time. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think I can do something along those lines. Okay. Good. Um, what that reminds me, though, too, that you did make a really good point in here if we're gonna get a little nerdy again sure yeah um go. you talk about how 
there will be people, of course, who will be violating IP. Yes. Um, there are oh, now. That's at, yeah, that's at the very end. So yeah. I give, I'll just for listeners' sakes, um, I go on to explain uh, possible ideas an arbiter might think about after dismissing those previous two, uh, including mandatory licensing. Um, in other words, you can have some IP, but you are required to license it in some way. Uh, yeah, a you can't just... You can't just sit on it. You have to right. allow other responsible producers to produce it. I mean, they get, they'll pay yes. you for the rights to do it, but you can't yes. stop them from doing it. Yeah. Uh, some sort of cost-based IP, I don't know, two, three, four times, whatever. Uh, yeah. And third-party accounting firms work that out, as well as a minimum income fund, which we discussed a little bit in the mm-hmm. previous uh, uh, part of this episode. So in the last section, uh, that's where I sort of address the idea that these individual cases are going to be different and there'll be sort of standards that will arise. And then there I try to get to the question of why would people follow uh, the rules of these courts? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I try to explain that a little bit. And then from there I talk about how, but even that itself has a limit because if the cure for cancer comes along, uh, yeah, people are going to go ahead and violate it for that because, yeah. you know, uh, it's the cure for cancer. So. Yeah. And so the point you bring up, and I loved it, was to say the degree to which people are willing to violate IP rulings is clear evidence of what the market actually wants in terms of an IP legal structure. Yes. And so arbiters in the future will take that information into account in their yes. future rulings. Yes. So it's just like piracy and you know violation of IP in general is actually a positive for the economy. It tells us it's a it's a market signal. It tells right. us it tells us the the limits yeah. of where uh, the IP protection yeah. should like, go. Compare that to the state. It's not like the state goes, "Man, a lot of people are breaking these IP laws. We should probably relax right. them." No. Right. <laughs> Never. Never. You'd never do that. Never their, their choice. Only a competitive private arbitration system has the proper incentive structure in place to be able to respond to that yes. appropriately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I loved that. I was like, God, make that a book. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, a, that's such a good point. <laughs> well, maybe so, maybe we'll get to an IP book uh, at yeah. some point here. Um, yeah. Well, you got enough for several books in here for sure if you expand it out. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, okay. All right. So yeah, I can, I can add in those little bits, uh, here and there, but okay. well, you know what I'd say, you know, polish up those tiny little things and then it'll be happy birthday to me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I like it. Go write it. You've just gone behind the broken window. Drop us a line at contact at brokenwindowmedia.com. Like us on Facebook for regular updates, and follow us on Twitter at BrokenWindowM. Music by Lorenzo's Music. Thanks, Lorenzo's Music. Check them out at lorenzosmusic.com. Hear the rest of the conversation and become a part of it at brokenwindowmedia.com. We'll see you there. Yeah.